1045 The Zone's non-stop sports talk continues with a look at Nashville's teams and at news around the nation from the lead writer of 1045thezone.com. This is The Big Six. The Big Six with Jason Martin. Presented by Renters Warehouse. And here we go. Straight up, 6 o'clock by my watch means it's time for the one and only Big Six here on 104.5 The Zone. My name happens to be Jason Martin. Glad to have you with us. Blessed to have you as a part of my audience. You can find me on Twitter at jmartzone. You can find us tonight, Jimmy Harper being the second part of us. He's behind the glass, spinning the dials radio style for me this evening. He will play gatekeeper if you want to call in at 615-737-1045. That's 737-1045. We're brought to you by Renner's Warehouse. Before we get things started here this evening, a reminder, maybe more of a reminder to me to make sure that my mind is centered exactly where it needs to be, that I'm blessed beyond measure, all reasonable and otherwise. Hope you recognize that you are as well. Hope this finds your 2020 continuing to go exceedingly well. Next week, Miami Super Bowl. We will obviously be talking a lot about that football game, but we're not going to talk a lot about that game here today or probably tomorrow There's only so much you can say about one football game should headlines not arise. And we'll see whether or not headlines arise next week. I might talk about one of the components of the Super Bowl tonight. But we're going to talk about some other things. Eli is a topic, and I definitely want to get there. But I look, and when you try to put together a show... You look at what you would think people are thinking about. What's on their brains. And I kind of have the, it's a blessing and a curse of having both the show I have to do on the weekend. Well, I say half as if it's some kind of a burden. But the national show where I have to look with kind of, you can't be tunnel vision, right? Like, you have to be able to look at the entire deal. If you've seen Ford versus Ferrari, there's the sequence where the way that you can handle, you know, 200 miles per hour, even when it's not straightaways, is that your eyes just open and there's not really even peripheral vision. You just see the whole anamorphic widescreen in front of you, the two point, the, you know, the two, three, five to one ratio. And then you come here and then that ratio goes down. You need the black bars on the top and the bottom. Your TV's not the same. Everything's a little bit off, so you've got to bring it back more locally. And sometimes it's good because I can take a big theme and I can make it local. And sometimes I can take a local theme in reverse and go on Fox and and do it the opposite way. But what is the thing everybody is thinking about today in the sports world? I would suggest to you it's probably what we saw last night in primetime on ESPN. Because... There are very few athletes that move the needle. I don't mean in terms of Vegas and betting, even though that's certainly true as well. I mean in terms of eyeballs. Without getting into it, because Lord knows we're not going to get into it. Somewhere around 11 million people are watching the impeachment proceedings. Which is really not that big a number in the grand scheme. You would think it would be more. A lot of people just aren't paying attention to this or don't care for one reason or another, but it is taking away some ratings points from everything else because there are more people paying attention. Plus it's an election year. So the news channels, 
their numbers do go up. So you need needle movers. You need, for example, at the Farmers Insurance Open in California at Torrey Pines, you need Tiger Woods, and you've got Tiger Woods. The NFL needs a marquee matchup. That's why I said I don't think that the NFL, if you put them under a polygraph, would tell you that they wanted the Titans in the Super Bowl, even if it would be a good matchup. Because Mahomes is going to equal more eyeballs right now. It's just common sense. It's not me degrading the local team. It's just from a perspective. And that's why I suggested that the Brady thing is something you kind of have to do if you're if you're Nashville. Even though Nashville's an it city, as it comes to the sports landscape in the Tennessee Titans, it doesn't matter as much. Now, you still have to win games. But if all other things are equal, and this is not the argument that I made last night, but I thought about it after the fact and said, you know, I probably should have said this. If you don't think that Ryan Tannehill is a Super Bowl quarterback, then you have to go get Tom Brady. Even if you don't think Tom Brady is a Super Bowl quarterback right now, you've got to go get Tom Brady because of the difference in Q score. Difference in recognizability. Selling season tickets. Fervor. Nation paying attention. All of those things. So who are the it athletes? Who are the ones that move the needle? Well, in the NBA, you have LeBron James. And basically, that's it. The Warriors were doing decent ratings, but it was LeBron when he was playing for Cleveland and Miami when he could play in the 7 o'clock Eastern time window and then viewers would hang on and watch what was usually emanating from the Western Conference in the later game and ratings were up. I completely, wholeheartedly reject the notion that NBA ratings are down this year because of any kind of political stuff whatsoever. I think if I were to walk and ask 100 or 200 people why they're not watching the NBA, most of them wouldn't really have an answer just because they're not thinking about it. But they're not thinking about what Daryl Morey said in the summer. If that is a narrative that is being pushed, I would say that the reasoning there is completely flawed and maybe you're trying to preach to your own choir at that point. I think that's ridiculous. It's because LeBron James was the league and him going to the West Coast meant you didn't have the lead in anymore because as much as you want to talk about Joel Embiid or Kemba Walker or Kyrie Irving or any of these people, they're not moving the needle. LeBron James moves the needle for love and for hate. The same back again. I've made this comparison before. Private Parts, very underrated movie based on the book about Howard Stern's rise. Of course, Stern is in the films. First time I saw Paul Giamatti in anything. And there's the deal where Paul Giamatti wants to see Howard Stern fail. He's an executive for the radio company there that Don Imus is working for and everything else. And I think it's WNBC in New York. They have like a focus group and a survey put together evidence to try and see what's going on with Stern's ratings because they're so high. And it comes back that the people that love him listen because of obvious reasons, but the people that don't love him listen in bigger numbers just to see what he's going to say next. It's the same exact reason if you love or hate somebody. The worst thing you can be is in the middle. If it's you can take it or leave it, then most people are either going to leave it or they're not going to preach it to anybody else. They're not going to talk to anybody else about it, positively or negatively. LeBron James has the polarizing vision because we've seen him for so long. There was hype before he got here, meaning when he was still at St. Vincent, St. Mary's. And then he has said a lot. 
and he's been a part of a lot, and he's won, and he has left town a couple of times, and he's moved on, but he moves the needle. As good as a lot of the players in the NBA are, they are not needle movers. Nikola Jokic, not a needle mover, a great player. Rudy Gobert, not a needle mover, but a great player. My update anchor in California on Sunday morning said another scintillating superstar performance from Rudy Gobert. And I'm just like, is he a superstar? Would 10 people, even in the sports-loving community, know who Rudy Gobert is outside the media that aren't diehard hoop heads? I would indicate the answer is no. But I'll tell you a name that that same 10 people, I would say seven of the 10 of them will have heard of, and he's only played one game in the NBA, and that's Zion Williamson. And that is the topic today. Last night, Zion Williamson played his first game in the National Basketball Association. Pelicans against the Spurs at home, back from the knee injury. I wasn't sure we would see him this year, and we saw him. And for the first three quarters, looked like maybe we shouldn't have seen him yet. He, it wasn't that he was turning the ball over or playing badly. He just He was lumbering just a little bit, laboring around. But I think he was just trying to sort of find his groove. And he found it in the fourth quarter. 17 consecutive points, four for four from three, 22 in his debut. One of the greatest debuts we've ever seen for a rookie in the NBA. Looked every part the superstar. David Griffin today the general manager of the Cavs, I think said something insane, something flat-out crazy, when he said that Zion Williamson is quicker than every point guard he has been associated with in the league. He says he's faster than Kyrie, than Steve Nash, and he kept naming all these guys, and I'm just like, slow down just a little bit. But he's a needle mover. There were takes on all sides, not just about how he played, but about can you believe that they took him out with a couple of minutes left in the game when they had a chance to win? The answer is yes. If he's on a minutes restriction or if they're trying to protect him for the future, he's the future maybe not just of the Pelicans but of the entire NBA for the next generation. There are a lot of really good young players in this league. We got one of them in the state of Tennessee in Ja Morant. You know exactly how I feel about Ja Morant. I have laid that case out on numerous occasions on this here program that I think he will have a better career than Zion and will be a Hall of Famer because I think the NBA in 2020 is made more for Ja than it is for Zion. But I also think both of them can be Hall of Famers. And I'm excited that we don't have to choose. We get to watch all of this. But even if you needed to win the game because they're out of a playoff spot, but they're starting to play a little bit better, you can't risk the future of the franchise and potentially the league to keep them in for the last three, four minutes. I can understand that, even though... The chances he's going to get hurt between his 17 and 21 minutes on the floor are probably not that good. But he was still riding a bike to try and stay loose in the third quarter when they took him out. So they were trying to be very careful with him. But he was unbelievable in the game. Let me tell you how unbelievable Zion was. He was so unbelievable that even though I have not had nearly as much time to watch the NBA regular season thus far, the way I usually am watching it, Around Thanksgiving is when I really start to pay attention. I love the NBA, but during football season, when you work in this business, you have to be watching what everybody else is watching at the time, right? I'm not doing this show for me. I'm doing it for you. So, there, are, yeah, I would sit here and talk about pro wrestling right now for 15 or 20 minutes. 
or I would talk about this or I would talk about that. But no, I need to talk about the NFL. I need to talk about college football. But today I get to talk about Zion Williamson. I set a DVR for that game. I didn't get a chance to watch it until today. I was watching it with my morning coffee. And I was watching it on mute, as I often do, listening to a podcast on a completely different subject. And I watched that game in about 30 minutes because I watched when Zion was in, and when he left the game, I fast-forwarded until the next time he came in. That is the definition of a needle mover. That is exactly what the NBA needs right now. They need somebody who is a shot of adrenaline in their arm. They need somebody that can bring in the non-hoophead, the non-NBA fan, the one that just watches a little bit of college basketball in March and watches the NBA Finals. They need some reason to care about this long 82-game regular season that we're in the midst of right now, a little bit more than halfway through. Did you know that? We are. We're almost to the all-star break, but we will have already played more than half the season by the time we get there. There's just not a lot of guys out there that bring in the casual audience. But Zion Williamson is someone, the first, I would say, since LeBron, that is going to transcend that. With all due respect to Steph Curry and Kevin Durant and Russell Westbrook and James Harden and Kawhi Leonard and all these folks, Kawhi Leonard is still the best player in the world to me. James Harden, I'm on record. Very overrated. Incredible skill. Don't think you're going to win a championship with that guy ever. Zion Williamson is the future. He holds the future of the league in his hand. If you can strike also with the John Morant and all these other people, then all the better. But in terms of marketability, Zion Williamson is probably the most marketable since LeBron. Assuredly, the most marketable since LeBron. And before that, Shaq. I even think Zion could transcend Kobe in terms of what he means. Not necessarily he's going to be as good a player as Kobe. Don't get me wrong. But in terms of somebody that transcends it, somebody that you could see on Nickelodeon, you could see Zion the way you could see Shaq and the way you could see LeBron. You see a whole lot of Kobe on Nick Jr. Zion Williamson is a needle mover. It's exactly what we look for in sports. It's why we were all watching last night. Now, 17 straight in the fourth quarter. What is there to dislike? Where are the holes in his game? Well, I've told you, he's not a great free throw shooter, and he's not a great outside shooter. But he was four for four from three last night. He was all-time hot. It was amazing to watch. I kept waiting for him to miss, and he didn't. He was single-handedly responsible for what happened, and then they took him out, and they lost the game. They may, Really and truly, if you leave him in, then there's pressure for him to win, and you're surprised if he doesn't because of how hot he was. He was on an amazing hot streak, and they took him out right at the moment that they needed him to win that game which you can debate what that means about the regular season and all sorts of things about that. But why would I say I think Ja has a better career in front of him than Zion Williamson does based on what we saw, based on what David Griffin's saying, what all the media are saying today about his debut? What I just told you, it was unbelievable to watch. You couldn't look away. It was just why we love sports is we are watching superheroes that do the kinds of things we can't do especially at that size, 6'7 and 285, somewhere in that neighborhood. He's special, but there are problems, and we already have seen some of those problems. When we come back, I'll tell you about some of those problems, and I see we've got a, a caller on the line from McMinnville. She hangs on. We will 
get to her when we come back. This is a big six on 104.5 The Zone. Zone. 49ers. Jimmy G. Super Bowl 54. 54. Next Sunday on 104.5 The Zone. Welcome back to the Big Six here on 104.5 The Zone. Jason Martin with you on Twitter at jmartzone. Here on a rainy evening, and the rain's going to continue throughout the night and into tomorrow. And it's cold, annoying rain. I bet you're in traffic right now. Hopefully we're helping you get through it a little bit. 615-737-1045 is how you get to us. We talked a lot about Zion Williamson in that first segment. I said she because I read it wrong on the screen. It's Joshua in McMinnville. I hope uh, hope you're okay with that, Josh. How are you? Uh, yeah, it's fine, buddy. Um, thanks for taking my call. So the one thing I wanted to say, I got a few points I want to get to. I think there's been kind of uh, evident fan fatigue with the, the NBA for a while, not because of lack of stars, but just we kind of knew who was going to the finals. Right. It's going to be Golden State and wherever LeBron was for a minute. And and, and what I want to say next is, I, I'm a Celtics fan. I catch pieces of games. You know, since uh, East Coast team, I can still watch games when I get home. I got a small kid, so sometimes I can't really get to a whole game. And basketball is not easy for a five-year-old to watch. So, I've watched one whole game up until I watched the game last night with Zion in it. And that was the Lakers-Celtics game the other night. Because that's the rivalry I'm a Celtics fan. I watched the whole game. I was so much more excited to watch Zion last night. And I'm a Celtics fan, and that's the biggest rivalry, because you're exactly right. I mean, the dude is generational. He's an absolute monster of a, of a player. I mean, I watched, I watched the, uh, both the Duke North Carolina games. It was the Duke just to watch him play. Right. Um, but I will say one thing, though, as far as for Morant and Zion, and career-wise, I mean, part of his position and Morant's skills are pretty much, you know, wizard-level ridiculous. But Zion, we've already shown there's some propensity for injury there, Bingo. given his size, and how much he played as a kid yep. going into college and yep. everything, you know? Yep. So, but I, I definitely, you know, I was extremely excited to watch him play. And, I mean, the league was betting on it. I mean, all the primetime games they gave to the Pelicans. But uh, that's just my take on it. He's definitely the uh, the next superstar for the NBA. Bingo. There it is right there. There is a Celtics fan who's watched one Celtics game this year but watched Zion Williamson. Watch Duke to watch Zion Williamson. You may have Zion fatigue, just like you had LeBron fatigue and Brett Favre fatigue when that was a constant debate where it was him and Aaron Rodgers and it was him in Minnesota and it was him with the Jets and everything else. There's always some things that you can get real annoyed by, and ESPN's an easy scapegoat because you're usually watching them, so they have a better chance to continue to inundate you with the same information. No one ever talks about – it's funny. They talk about you know ESPN in love with LeBron James, blah, blah, blah. Well, they have an NBA contract, so that doesn't hurt. They need to make the league seem important. But also, you're not watching FS1. Let's be real here. FS1 could be talking about LeBron James 24 hours a day, seven days a week, and you're not watching FS1. You might be watching UFC on there. Maybe you're watching WWE backstage, or you're watching a little bit of college football or live sporting events, but you're not watching FS1. Not in big numbers. I've seen the ratings. 
That's nothing against them. But they don't have your eyeballs. They don't have your attention enough for you to say, oh, it's enough already with this network. And it, No. It's not the same. But the bigger point here about Zion is absolutely 100% injuries. Ja, look, Ja could get injured and never play again. Anybody could. But Zion Williamson, because of the way he plays and the way his body is made up, and I think the extra point that Joshua made about how early and how much he was playing at a young age, there's an article about Zion Williamson about how Zion looked at his own brother who started two years before him, his younger brother, and said he's going to end up being better than me, had to fight off jealousy from that because they were starting to prepare to get this kid ready at three years old. Three. 6'7", 285, constant argument of is he fat, all of this nonsense. How much can his body take the way he plays? At his size, he's not Carl Malone, right? Like he's not Carl Malone, but the step back, jump shots, and things of that nature. He's exploding to the rim, exploding to the hole, and landing every single time. His knees, his calves, all of these things. And it's not that he's not working out and exercising. It's just that body. We've never seen that body and this kind of game together. It could be the greatest thing we've ever seen. But it also has a very, I think, risky nature and a high probability to be short-lived. I hope that my fear is wrong and that we get to watch Zion for 15 years in this league. 20 years in this league and 10 at a really high level, just to, just throwing numbers out there. I fear we won't have him in the league for 10 years. And I have nothing to base that on, except I'm watching him and I look at his body and I see what he's already dealt with. I don't think those are isolated incidents that aren't going to happen again, folks. That's a concern. Mark in Nashville up next here on the big six. Mark, what say you? What's up, man? What's hey, up, Jamar? Hey, man, how are you? I'm doing well, Excellent. sir. Um, so I just, um, I'm kind of confused. Um, I'm usually on the same page with you on a lot of things. Okay. But, uh, you say you have nothing really to go off of. So, I mean, you remember when LeBron came out, of course. Yep. No one. You you remember the questions, Could he? can he guard guards? Can he guard a point guard? Uh, we've never seen this. Can he be a point guard? Um, and I know Zion's built differently, but I think that, I, I don't know, in my mind, his build only attests to how durable he will be. Um, that's just that's just my thoughts on it. And I think, you know, the human body, what, you know, we hear about 100-mile uh, marathon races and yada, yada, yada. Yep. The human body finds a way to, to supply what is needed. Um, and I, I just see it as that. I think... I think it's kind of perky-jerky to think that he won't make it uh, for long-term because usually like the Greg Oden thing, you know, usually it's that body type, uh, more seven-footer, more long and lanky that has issues. True. But, uh, just wanted to holler at you, J-Mark. Uh, no, look, Mark, and look, you never – It's. I say this many times, it is never a prerequisite to agree with me. As long as you do it respectfully and you come at me with something that makes sense. And that does make sense. 
The only thing is, I've just, and we have never seen somebody built this way who relies on athleticism like he does. LeBron would be the other argument, but LeBron's a little bit taller. Zion's not going to be asked to guard the one. He's going to be guarding the three and the four. He's not big enough to guard the five. He's he's almost, you think he should be a couple of inches taller than he actually is. But he takes up a lot of space when you see him on the floor. It's just how explosive and how violently he plays the game that you look at his body and it's, yeah, it could be Derrick Henry. Very true. And maybe that's what we're looking at here. But there are just a lot of dudes that are built to be one thing. And it seems like his build would indicate he would be one thing, and instead he's something else. And that something else looks like it could be a problem for his longevity. You're right about Greg Oden, though, and guys like that. He's not lanky, and he certainly is not thin. He's not a rail out there. And I imagine he's not skipping leg day. But how many times can he land doing what he's doing the way that he is built and his knees not give give way? We've already seen a few instances. Now, the thing at Duke with the shoe, that's a freak accident. This one was a little bit more worrisome to me. But I think it's an interesting point to say guys like that are built for the contact, but it's not the physicality that I'm worried about. It's his athleticism with his build not being a perfect match. Now, we talk Zion Williamson. What's the other thing going on in sports today? Eli Manning is going to retire tomorrow at a press conference. Is Eli Manning a Hall of Famer? That's the question we will address. I have a real easy litmus test. I'll tell you exactly how I feel about it. We'll take your phone calls at 615-737-1045. We'll be right back. This is the Big Six here on 104.5 The Zone. Zone. Thezone.com. Your home for the zone online. Online. Read the Big Six blog. Register for contests. Find out what will be in your area. And catch up anything you might have missed with the Hiller Plumbing, Heating, Cooling, and Electrical Podcast. Find out how to follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Download our mobile app and listen online. You'll find everything you need to keep up with The Zone. All in one place at 1045thezone.com. Welcome back. Big Six here on 1045 The Zone. I'm Jason Martin on Twitter at jmartzone. This is Chris Stapleton, Outlaw State of Mind. First time I heard this outside of his own album was on the Hell or High Water soundtrack. That's one of the best movies of last decade. If you have not seen it, you owe it to yourself to check it out. Latest review, latest movie review up at the Big Six blog posted about an hour ago. The Gentleman, Guy Ritchie's new film that releases tomorrow. Check that one out last night. It's pretty dull, quite frankly. Not all that interesting. I see we have a phone caller on the line, but let me lay this out about Eli Manning first, then we will take your call. 615-737-1045, is Eli Manning a Hall of Famer? The answer, folks, is no. He will get in, but he's not a Hall of Famer. And there's a couple of ways that I measure Hall of Fame. One is 
if you say, is X player a Hall of Famer? And the response is not an immediate yes. If it's a, we need to discuss it, let's talk about it. The answer is no. You should know. When I say Drew Brees, what do you think, Hall of Famer? He's only won one Super Bowl. Eli won twice. Eli was a two-time Super Bowl MVP. Well, let me run through the Super Bowl MVPs this century, and you tell me. Kurt Warner, I think he is a Hall of Famer, personally. Ray Lewis, of course. Tom Brady, of course. Dexter Jackson, probably not. Deion Branch, definitely not. Heinz Ward, Peyton Manning, of course. Santonio Holmes, no. I'm just naming, I'm not naming the obvious ones here. And I skipped Eli right there. Drew Brees, yes. Aaron Rodgers, yes. He's only won one. Joe Flacco, mm, I would say no. Matter of fact, I'm saying that kind of sarcastically. It's obviously no. Malcolm Smith, no. Von Miller, yes. Nick Foles, no. Julian Edelman, No. So just because you're a Super Bowl MVP doesn't mean that I think you're a Hall of Famer either. How many two-time Super Bowl MVPs are not in the Hall of Fame? Probably a very small list. I'm not going to run through them all. Eli Manning has had a very good career. Charles Barkley always jokes about there should be a Hall of Very Good or an honorable mention, and that's about where you put Eli Manning. Here's the big test. It is preposterous to say if he was not the best at his position at any point during his career, he's not a Hall of Famer. That is too high a standard. And every Hall of Fame is different. Some are more watered down than others. This is my metric. At any point during Eli Manning's career for an entire season, would you say he was one of the five best at his position? Then you can start to talk. I think the answer is no, especially during the regular season. Like, during the playoffs, yeah, okay. There were times when he got real hot. But he had a lot of nine-win seasons and eight-win seasons and seven-win seasons. When I do treadmill running, I'm preparing for a half marathon. If you follow me at Zone, you can see the details. When I do treadmill running like I did today, I often do something called rolling hills. At Rolling Hills, I set what the top hill is going to be, and then it just kind of it goes from an incline of 1 to 2 to 4 to 5 to 4 to 2 to 1 to 2 to 4 to 5 to 4 to 2 to 1. Simulating Rolling Hills. Eli Manning's career is Rolling Hills on a treadmill. 11-win season, 8-win season. 12-win season, 8-win season. 10-win season, two 9-win seasons, a 7-win season, two 6-win seasons in a row. Book ended with a 10-6 and and an 11-5. and Then he goes 3-12, and 5-11, and and 1-3. I actually think his case would be stronger if he had retired after the 11-5 and year in 2016. But he didn't. Most people don't. He won nine games in the three seasons that followed. And he lost 26. His career record is 117 and 117. He is a career 60% completion quarterback. Not terrible, not elite, not top five at his position. When I say names, you should know in your head that guy's a Hall of Famer. You should not have to debate it. 
You should not have to think about it. You should not have to say, I think he's probably a Hall of Famer. When you say, I think he's probably, the answer is no. As I said, I think he will get in. I think Philip Rivers will probably get in as well. And I think Rivers has a better case than Eli because I think Super Bowl wins are overrated. Wins, period, for quarterbacks are overrated, but Super Bowl wins in particular are overrated. Eli Manning, a two-time Super Bowl champion, beat the Patriots both times. The unbelievable catch by David Tyree, yes. And he made some stellar throws. The throw to Manningham in that game was uh, was unbelievable. Does he win a second MVP if Wes Welker doesn't drop that pass that Tom Brady sort of overthrew a little bit or threw a little higher than usual and Welker had to jump up to try to make that catch in the second matchup between those two teams? Probably not. I just look at it and I think about the quarterbacks in the league where you think, okay, that guy is a Hall of Famer. When I say Roethlisberger, yes. Whether you like him or not, he's a Hall of Famer. Aaron Rodgers has elite talent despite the fact that Eli's won a Super Bowl that Rodgers probably never will, the second one. Drew Brees only has one. Is he a Hall of Famer? Yes. You don't have to think twice about it. Brady, obviously. Eli's brother, obviously even though his second Super Bowl was largely not because of him. And Osweiler was a quarterback down the stretch of that season. It was the defense that crushed Cam Newton and won that Super Bowl. This is not a slight on Eli Manning, the person who seems to be great, seemed to be a wonderful teammate that everybody liked. And your criteria for Hall of Fame, that becomes the question. Let's go to Mark and Franklin now and take his phone call. Again, 615-737-1045 is how you join this program. Mark, how are you? Yo, what's up, Jay Mark? Hey, uh, actually, I was going to disagree with you at first, but you actually made a pretty good point um, uh, about Eli. But, man, I, I think if you win the Super Bowl MVP, um, I, I definitely think Eli Manning should be in, in the discussion. I mean, Steve McNair not ever even winning a Super Bowl, you know, I definitely think he should be in. Um, but I don't know. E- Eli should definitely be in the discussion. I think he'll be in just like you. But after what you just said in the last 30 seconds, you know, I'm kind of, you know, hearing towards, you know, I- I'm not sure. But, uh, yo, love your program. Uh, the 6 o'clock hour is my favorite hour. Uh, go Tigers. Appreciate it. Thank you for the kind words. And when you say, oh, I'm not so sure, that means no. I don't want to upset Nashville and talk about Steve McNair in the Hall of Fame. Hall of Fame in terms of grit and everything else. I don't know that he did enough on the field. But I listed the Super Bowl MVPs for the last 19 seasons. And I'd say a third of them are not in the Hall of Fame or shouldn't be and are not in my Hall of Fame. It's closer to half, really, because some of them are multiples, like Tom Brady and his four and Peyton Manning. He only, he only has the one. But just because Eli was somebody that won multiple Super Bowls and played pretty well in those games, I think you're overvaluing it. Somebody just tweeted me at Zone and asked, is the reason why you don't have Eli in your top five for an entire season at any point in his career because of the depth of that position? It's a fair argument to make, but did you ever watch Eli Manning and think, whew, all-time elite? Let me tell you when I thought Eli Manning was elite, when he played in the Southeastern Conference. We'll be right back. This is The Big Six on 104.5 The Zone. 
Download the Tennessee's home for Southeastern sports. Talk about it here. The Sports Station, 104.5 The Zone. Final segment, Thursday edition. Big Six here on 104.5 The Zone. I'm Jason Martin on Twitter at jmartzone. If you missed any part of the program, shame on you. I'm just kidding. I'll give you a mulligan as well. It's the podcast. Big Six with Jason Martin. Subscribe via your podcast catcher of choice. You can hear everything I've ever done on this program. Good, bad, or indifferent. All the interviews, all the conversations, all the rants, all the discussions. And you can do it for free. And you can consume this show whenever you want. Eli Manning. Is he a Hall of Famer? That's the question I'm asking. I got some stats and I'm going to drop on you in just a second. My answer is no, because you have to think about it. My answer is no, because at no point do I think he was top five in his position in the league for an entire season. I don't think that's Hall of Fame. I think it's Hall of Very Good. We're not putting him in because he's a great person or because he was a wonderful teammate. I guess it depends on your criteria, but for me, there was nothing elite about Eli Manning. John in Clarksville may have a different thought. John, what's up? Hello? Yes. Yes, I'm I'm looking at stats. I think he has enough stats according to the players that they already have in the Hall of Fame. I think Eli Manning has enough stats, and I think those MVPs would help him out. I think he'd be his first-time Hall of Famer. Okay. I don't think he will get in on the first ballot, but he might. But here are the numbers that I want to lay out to you. I already told you about his career record in the regular season, 117 and 117. That's the second most by a quarterback in the history of the NFL. Number one on that list, Vinny Testaverde. Manning has played football in the pros for a long time, folks. His first season was 2004. He's retiring tomorrow. Played sparingly this year, yes. Do you realize that in that, you know, 15, 16 years that he's played in the league, Eli Manning has made six playoff appearances. Only six times in his career have the Giants made the playoffs. And of those six, four of the six, they lost in their first game. You know what happened to the other two? They won the Super Bowl over the Patriots. He was one and done except his two Super Bowl seasons. And only six times did he even make the playoffs in his career. 244 career interceptions. Lost 56 fumbles. That's 300 turnovers he was responsible for during his career. He had eight years where he threw at least 15 picks. Three where he threw 20 or more. He, to me, was the very definition of if he didn't have a lot of talent around him, he probably was not going to elevate you. He was not going to take you to the promised land. I think just what I just told you right there is enough to say he's not a Hall of Famer. Not if the Hall of Fame is supposed to represent elite, standout, generational-type players. Now, you can argue, and the, and the one thing that the caller just said that was interesting was, I think based on who's in the Hall of Fame, he could be in the Hall of Fame. Then that might be an indictment of your Hall of Fame. He... Threw for a lot of yards, 50-some thousand. But he's 500 for his career. 
He was not consistent. I told you. He's the equivalent of running, rolling hills on a treadmill. Putting that in for 20 minutes and doing the rolling hills. It goes up and it goes down and it goes up and it goes down. Unless you put it up to a high level, the up is not very high compared to the down. Now, he had two years where he did, but Nick Foles beat Tom Brady in a Super Bowl as well. You think Nick Foles is a Hall of Famer? Nick Foles had an all-time like memorable Hall of Fame performance himself in that game. Philly special and everything else. Outdueling Tom at Tom's best in terms of yardage and in terms of what that offense was doing in that football game. Nick Foles ain't even going to be close to the Hall of Fame. What was the season that Eli Manning had where you're just like, that dude's better than everybody else, or that dude is better than almost everybody else? I just don't see it. I don't see anything that jumps out to me and says, Eli Manning's a Hall of Famer, and if you don't have that on the resume, then what do you do? He was available a lot. That's another thing. Oh, he was he was so durable. Is the Hall of Fame based on how many starts you had in a row? He never missed a game due to injury. 210 games started is the third longest streak by a quarterback in league history. He was always out there. But I don't think that that has anything to do with your enshrinement in Canton. 366 career touchdown passes is seventh most in history. 57,000 yards is seventh most in history. 4895 completions, seventh most in history. So he's on some lists. But how much of that is longevity when I tell you he's played for 15, 16 seasons and he's only made the playoffs six times, four of them were one and done? How much do you place on those two Super Bowls? I think if you place him in the Hall of Fame because of those two runs, then you're devaluing the Hall of Fame and you're putting way too much stock in a very small snippet of a career. Him winning a Super Bowl is important. I'm not trying to say it's unimportant. I'm saying that sometimes we put too much emphasis on what happens at that point in the season. 117 and 117, that's just not good enough, man. Let's take a phone call. Aaron is up. Aaron, what's up? Oh, not much. Uh, I know you guys are pressed, but I was just thinking, um, I know kind of the you know, Hall of Fame is a little bit old school, but would there ever be any kickback from Eli refusing to go to the Chargers and going to New York? or not, But how that whole thing played out, would that ever come back to haunt him when it comes to the Hall of Fame? I don't think so, Aaron. It's an interesting question if you remember the Rivers deal and – you know, Rivers was technically taken number one, but with the agreement he was going to go to the Chargers because Eli and you know Archie Manning didn't want him to play for the Chargers organization that were just a, a disaster at the time. But John Elway's in the Hall of Fame, and John Elway was the you know the first real example that I can remember at least of somebody refusing to play that was going to be a number one pick. So like I'm not going to go here, and then he ended up going somewhere else. I don't think that will cost him. I don't think people are going to think about how he got into the NBA or into the NFL and he used his power to not go to a situation that he thought was going to be bad. I just don't think he's a Hall of Famer. There's not... The numbers just don't back it up, folks. You want a stat? I know we're playing things that make you go, hmm, here. 366 touchdowns is good. 60% completion percentage for your career is not good, but I'm going to reiterate it again. 
he played from 2004 to he's retiring tomorrow. Six playoff appearances. Four times he was one and done. Yeah, he won two Super Bowls. I just think he's Hall of Very Good. He had a great career. I don't think great equals Hall of Fame. Sorry. We send you to Tennessee Prep Weekly. I'll see you tomorrow. Clear eyes, full hearts, can't lose. God bless and good night from the Music City.